Hey, bubblies, and welcome to a mini bubble of my streaming bubble. Sorry, I just realized how many times like the word bubble in the makes me think of the Ben Barnes commercial that airs during football about saying oh guaranteed God. too much. That's that was weird. Okay, but anyway, so it's the podcast where I talk about the shows I love with the people I tolerate. And in this Minnesota, Laura's made a reservation to talk about a movie we started going on about during our last recording, White Lotus Season 2. So we decided just to say the hell with it and put in a full order for a full mini bubble. Plating begins now as we take a big bite out of HBO's The Menu. Hi, Laura. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for joining us and patronizing our this fine establishment. That didn't work. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been on the waiting list for so long. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and just get right into it. So the menu is available on HBO and stars Ralph Fiennes, Nicholas Holt, Anya Taylor-Joy, Hong Chow, Judith Light, John Leguizamo, just to name a dash. So we'll go ahead and just dive right in. So what are, so this is your spoiler warning. We're going to spoil the shit out of this movie. So if you haven't seen it, proceed with caution or pause and go watch the movie uh, and then come back and finish this, finish listening to this, because this is going to be great. I'm sure it is, despite <laughs> what the intro might have you thinking. But Laura, <laughs> <laughs> what are your general thoughts on the movie? I love this movie. It was awesome. And it also caught me off guard because I was being my um, subpar attention span self. And I read the word restaurant and the word satire in the description. I was like, good enough for me. Boop. <laughs> did not read the word horror so uh, at a certain point the movie shifted a bit into that a little more and I was like oh shit oh my god <laughs> I was not expecting that <laughs> but okay okay um well it can only get worse or better from here I don't know let's find out I thought it definitely got better like that was the moment like when the sous chef came out and everything, that was just like, yes, yes, yes. Here we go. Here we go. Who's going to do it? Is he going to do it himself? Is the chef going to do it? What's going to happen? I don't know why I didn't see that for what it was. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. It's funny because like in our White Lotus episode, we were just talking and I just finished editing that one too. So we were just talking about, in my mind, we just were about how you always see the twist coming. And then you're trying to be like, no, I didn't see it in Usual Suspects. And I was like, that's your always your go-to. <laughs> so it's <laughs> nice to know that you missed it this time. <laughs> I was naive and thought the movie was really going to be about the food. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it still was about the food. I liked how yeah. they shot the food. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, okay. So for the listener's sake, uh, the menu starts off with a, what appears to be a select group of people, more select than we realize, uh, going on a ferry to an exclusive island restaurant where they're treated to a full course menu by one of the world's most renowned chefs. It's like a and, seven course menu, isn't it? It's like yeah, and I believe their first course is even like served on the boat as like a little amuse bouche mm. or whatever. Oh yeah, the clams or the oysters. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know you're taking a whole tour of the island, which I thought was really cool. Like 
you know, seeing all their sustainable practices for supplying their restaurant and the smokehouse and how they, they age the meat. And that was the first time I cracked up laughing at the movie because, mm-hmm. <laughs> because they were talking about well, what happens if you take the meat out a day early. And a the absolute, the, a day late, yeah, the absolute deadpan delivery of that particular staff member saying oh. that it would like kill them. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that was just awesome. Yeah, that was great. Elsa played by played by Hong Chow. She was amazing. I, I love her I too. <laughs> I thought she was like, you know, just really into her job. But also, maybe she could have been joking at first. And then I realized as we went along that she wasn't joking. She was just really into her job. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, damn. <laughs> Yeah, so that's how the movie opens. So, and it's like we've got our our guest list has Nicholas Holt as Tyler, Anya Taylor Joy as Margot. Uh, then let's see, we've got uh, John Leguizamo. He's listed as just the movie star. Like, uh, yeah. oh, they did give his name real quick in the beginning when they were getting onto the boat because he was like to his assistant, "Oh, you gave my real name." I don't remember what yeah. it was. And then we've got like the older married couple, the regulars played by Judith Light and Reed Bernie. Uh, let's see, we had the startup tech bros. Uh, let's see, by, I don't remember their names, so I'm not sure which ones they are here on IMTV. The pictures are all small. On my it's screen. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really care about their names. <laughs> but yeah, so Nicholas Holt's character, Tyler, he had got he got the tickets to attend this super fancy bougie dinner at like 1250 a pop and that's 1250 dollars not 12 dollars and 50 cents a plate and we find out kind of early on that he was supposed to have a different date and had to bring in a, a, a last minute plus one that was Margot, not miss westerfeld or westerfield or whoever they thought they were going to be seeing that night so I so when it comes to Tyler and Margot, first of all, I love Nicholas Holt. I think he is just the cat's pajamas. He's just such a such a cutie. So when he popped up, I was like, oh, I love him. I can't I wait was to like, see oh, him. Yeah. He's probably gonna be a nice guy. And then he wasn't. He was like the fucking worst. He was the worst out of all of them. Yeah, which totally was that what I thought like you know I thought that they were all going to be pretty bad especially as the dinner unfolded and they were but like I didn't expect necessarily that culminating moment of who is the biggest asshole here to be him (laughs) no shit but again there were breadcrumbs that kind of led to that which is funny because there was a whole course of where you you people don't get bread because you're not the common person or whatever Mm. and I thought that was hilarious I Um, did too but I I just at first you know the way he's like eating everything with gusto and describing all of the palate sensations and the balance of the flavors and and the coolness of the techniques that go into making food which is which are all true mm-hmm. um I was like oh he's just a giant fanboy who's there to annoy everyone got it check okay and I moved on from that exactly i was wrong i mean he was that but he was so much worse than that yeah because it's like at first all these terrible things are happening and he's just like nom, 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 yeah nom. he's just like <laughs> a, little so piggy, good. a little piggy at the trough 
And at first I was really just kind of like, you can't be that much of a foodie douchebag where you're completely disregarding everything going on. Like you can't be that much of a fanboy to the chef. And then we find out why. <laughs> uh, Margot appropriately reacts appropriately. I think so. But I don't know. Let's let's come back to why he's the biggest asshole. I talked yes. about how all the other people are assholes, but maybe a little smaller. Right. Uh, I think the tech bros ones are the like the most obvious because they're tech bros. I mean, they're greedy. Yes, they probably work long hours and they're full of themselves and they got the ego to match and they're going to spend their money accordingly. Like every single stereotype about tech bros is pretty much on display here. And I don't know why it was these particular three tech bros though. Like I got the impression that their company that they worked for and the person who owned it was quite large. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's more to it. Like I was trying to like pause on the, the tortillas that had the image lasered in of like the invoices with fake charges to see if they were invoices to the restaurant with fake charges on them. And these people are the ones that signed off on it or something. Cause that would make it make more sense to me. But then it still doesn't make sense to me because the guy who owns the company they work for is also the guy who's the angel investor for Mm -hmm. the chef's restaurant. Yep. So, but then again, if you make your money by funneling it through different companies and laundering it, I suppose you would do that to your own people. So that's what I was trying to find. I was unsuccessful with doing that, but it's still my running theory there as to why these three, because mm-hmm. um, it was mentioned later in the movie by one of the other patrons that they were texted to come to the restaurant. Yeah, the food critic, Lily, Lillian, I think that's... Yeah, so is that true for all of them or not? I mean, generally, you see all that puffed up ego and you just see the, the staff and the chef in particular um, just slowly chip away at it until it just deflates. Mm-hmm. And the moment that that happens with them, you can just see it. So I'll give credit to the tech row actors there because... There's just this resignation that, you know, they're screwed. No matter which way they go, they're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> so. so my kind of my theory is like with, when it comes to the tech bros was that, yeah, they because they worked for Varric, the angel investor that basically, you know, that owned the chef and, and the restaurant and everything. And because the tech bros were doing illegal shit that's why they were invited and i have a theory that all the guests there were contacted in different ways okay so you know because because chef makes a very because it's mentioned specifically that lillian the food critic got a text and chef's motivations to that like feeding her ego just as she had fed his you know in the beginning right and so then and then when he goes to confront tyler I feel like even though they don't say, I feel like that was maybe still done through email because I feel like if Tyler had actually been corresponding directly via text with chef, his head probably would have exploded before then. Like it would have been a much bigger deal to him. And I think it was a way for the chef to kind of test how much of a douchebag piece of shit Tyler really was like, you're such a fanboy that I'm going to lay out the whole truth and everything that's going to go down. 
and you're not going to blink an eye about it because you're so obsessed with the food and the status and being within orbit of the chef. So it makes me kind of wonder then like how the other people were invited, like the, well, with the movie star, you assume it was just through the assistant. And well, I'm wondering if it was like a, a first run of his like travel special that they mentioned during dinner where. Yeah, but he still, I feel like he still would have needed an invite. Like these people were specifically selected. Yeah, no, I get that. But like what maybe the premise of the invite was, I heard you're doing a travel channel or travel channel show for like uh, really good food. Um, We'd like to invite you here. Gotcha. Yeah. As part of that, you know, that kind of, I don't know. It's all conjecture really. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, the tech bros were obvious assholes. So it's it's easy to deal with them, right? Mm -hmm. And even the food reviewer i mean we've seen this before in ratatouille right mm-hmm. our favorite um <laughs> they get so full of themselves oh yeah and all they do is write about how much they you know experience food and like what they notice about it and whether or not they like it like it's all subjective it's but like which was the bigger asshole at that table like the food critic herself or the dumbass guy she was with who's just placating her and enabling her and all that because i was more annoyed by him if you can't tell oh he was really not like right out of the gate you know he's a yes man and immediately I, i was irritated with him but you know when you first asked the question between the two of them lillian and the i think he was a a reporter or a worked for a magazine but either way you know, when you first asked that question, I wanted to say Lillian, but at least with Lillian, you know what you're getting, right? Yeah. And there, there is a bit of um, some admiration, respect or whatever in a person, no matter how terrible they are, where it's like, well, at least you're not bullshitting me. At least you're not blowing smoke up my ass and pretending to not be a terrible person. Like, yeah. I feel like everything is just kind of right there with Lillian Whereas the, the interviewer, the guy that she was with, he'll say whatever he needs to say to yeah, and get it was out just, of the situation. If anything made me cringe, that was, that was it. How much all, did- everything in this movie. Like, I just could not stand the, the brown nosing that was going on there. It's like, <laughs> well, I'm sorry, what do you gain from this? She's doing her job and she's going to write this for your magazine regardless because the exposure, uh, the recognition, everything that she cares about. So why, why are you just, why are you not contributing to the conversation? Like, ask us, sir. She would have been just as successful with the review and the, and the meal and everything else without him there like mm-hmm. ugh. so biggest waste of space in the movie goes to <laughs> but, that guy especially since neither of them cared when they got their tortillas and it was like pictures of the restaurant she's caused closures to mm-hmm. justifiably or not we don't really know neither of them cared so he's no, no better than she is in that regard yeah so like okay wow 
Yeah, I feel like if given the chance, he would have thrown her under the bus. You know what I mean? And yeah, but like, after telling her that he would never do that. Right, absolutely. And, <laughs> and it's like, you know, we see later in the movie when they've split up the men and the women and the women are sitting there having their kind of get to know <laughs> a little chit chat. Uh, that, was, over, that was an interesting moment. Over a dish of emojis and once they realized that they were completely fucked, uh, Lillian was just like more wine. And they were all like, yes. And so that was a nice little funny bit, but she, yeah, she accepted it. You know, she, at this point has now accepted her fate of being completely fucked. I got to give her that too. Like she has a spine and it doesn't go away when the circumstances reveal themselves. Uh, and then let's see, we've got the, well, we've kind of mentioned them already, but the movie star and his assistant. Mm -hmm. I had mixed feelings about this table of being there. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. He's cheating on his wife. She's stealing from him. He doesn't treat her very well as a mistress or as an employee. She's, I guess, the, her biggest problem is she went to Brown and didn't have student loans and is still stealing money. But, you know, like, I see him as a washed-up movie star towards the tail end of his career, just trying to hang on for dear life. I see her as, you know, someone who maybe started out being used in her situation and kind of got her own back in a way. But all in all, a toxic relationship. But it's revealed at, at one point that the movie star is there because Chef hated one of his movies so much. Mm -hmm. so I'm like okay yeah they're assholes but to the degree of everyone else in this room I'm well, it, not so sure but it's what it's what the actor represented someone who no longer cared for their art and just kind of that's was true in it and and it's not and yeah that's specific to you know movie making and and you know because John Leguizamo, the actor's character, the actor at one point is like, oh, I'm in the uh, hosting stage of my career kind of thing. So he's not interested in making art, even the way he pitches his idea for the cooking show. It's all in vain. It's all about mm -hmm. him, what he's wearing, the capris and the Vespa and <laughs> close up uh, on his face while he has an orgasm. And then, and then, gonna all go of our shows. And then he's going to go to Africa and then talk about racism is bad. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. I still, I still don't think that even with all that in consideration, is it douchey and is he an asshole? Yeah. But to the extent of, of, of that, like well, that's the, that's the worst actor. That's the worst representation he could find of someone who doesn't care about their art. It's funny because like, as I'm heading down here for this recording, cause uh, Timmy and I, I watched the movie with Timmy and he really, he ended up really, really liking it. And so we were just talking about John Leguizamo's character and he feels that he kind of was like the least deserving to be there. Cause he's like, all he did was make a shitty movie that the chef. And it's like, I, I get the chef's frustration because it was his one day off and God knows how long, but also why would you I pick do. a movie called Calling Dr. Sunshine? What were your expectations going into that? So it's like you want it's your day off. You don't want to cook. So you're going to go to a restaurant, but you go to McDonald's and then you complain that it was subpar. 
yeah okay and that was part of my beef with this too <laughs> was... <laughs> sorry <laughs> that was really loud <laughs> my, my beef with this too was that he made the choice to see that movie we don't know what other movies were on the table but I mean, come on, he chose that movie. And there's always a synopsis of the movie. And I know firsthand, if you don't read that closely, <laughs> you might be unpleasantly surprised or maybe pleasantly, depending on what you like. But like, take some ownership of your own damn choices, man. Yeah, that one I absolutely agree with. That one was really just kind of like, that's not fair. And then when it comes to the actor's assistant, I think I think for her, it's just, the fact that she just kind of gets lumped in with them you know because she's the assistant but then when you know towards the end when the actor's like why are you doing this to us and why are you doing this to me and chef explains it and then the actor's like well what about her I love this is like my favorite one of my favorite lines and the chef asks her like where'd you go to you know where'd you go to school she says brown and he goes student debt no you're staying (laughs) I think he just was like, you're dying. Like he wasn't even like sugarcoating yeah. it at this point. Yeah. But cause it's like, and I just, I thought that was, I loved that line because it's like, because that girl does not have student, we don't know why she doesn't have student debt. Maybe she did. She could have had a scholarship. Exactly. But the fact that the chef just went ahead and surmised the fact that she had a Brown university education and no student debt she's well off enough she is she's a taker not a giver right maybe so but context matters sometimes people are supposed to be takers or what's the point of the service industry anyway like i i really like i see your points and i see the chef's points and i'm not saying that they're not valid i'm just saying that they're weaker yeah, I and mean, when it comes to the actor and his assistant, I agree that they were the least deservant of being there, especially the the assistant. Well, aside yeah, from Margo, I, and, but yeah. I suppose someone had to be the least deserving asshole, right? Yeah. <laughs> um so then that brings us to the to the regulars. The regulars. My god. On the, on the more deserving side. Okay. First of all, it's an exclusive, exclusive restaurant experience. Twelve fifty a pop, mm-hmm. plus plus whatever else goes into that that they're not discussing. And normally, you gotta wait months and months and months to get to go there once. Mm-hmm. And he's been how many times? They said eleven. And well, and it's mostly him. Sometimes with his wife, sometimes not, which yep. is another whole thing. And I love oh, the random. God, yeah. The random girls on the tortillas that mm-hmm. the wife's like, who's this? What's this? What's this? And it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And neither of them, though, no matter how many times each one's respectively been there, can't remember a single thing they ate from such an experience. Not one thing. Like, I'm bad with names, and I know I wouldn't have a problem with that. Not one foamed dish or snowy, snowy dish or <laughs> rocks. There's so many things probably that they've had. And I'm just like, what is wrong with you? Right? (laughs) Like, seriously, what is wrong with you? But then, yeah, he's also cheating on his wife, which is bad enough. And you get the impression that he and Margot know each other. And at first you're not sure why, but um, 
you know, I had a pretty good indicator from the way she reacted to when she first saw him that it had to be something like that. Like she was one of his mistresses or his mm-hmm. mistress. Um, and that turned out to be true when we learned that she's like a sex worker. So a hired mistress, but one nonetheless. But then we later find out the reason why he hired her and what he wanted her to do. Yeah, and I'm just her. like, if someone has to be the, okay, if Tyler is the biggest asshole here, this dude's number two. Mm-hmm. And it's fitting because he's a giant piece of shit. He, it's like he surpasses asshole right into like degen piece of shit gross motherfucker i don't like, know i it's, wanted it's like worse. him to suffer yeah i, was like, I didn't feel sorry for him now when he like as he's bleeding out and crying and i'm just like that's not even close to what you deserve if if what you had margo do is anything like what you might have done with your own daughter mm-hmm. i'm yes. just like oh you disgust me you're horrible Ugh. i wanted them to like flay him Mm-hmm. really wanted that one really wanted him to suffer i wanted them to, to like get the wife mad enough that she was like yeah flay him and she never <laughs> she never was and i think that's what made her as much of an asshole like she just it's like you get the impression that she has enough information that it's hard to deny that she still doesn't understand what went on what's going on and she's just like well whatever he's my husband yeah I think there's a little bit of that but also just like I think it's just the classic like old rich white couple he's skirting around on her she knows about it she's not gonna say like disrupt her life and everything she's become accustomed to and everything like they were they were basic in that sense you know what I mean yeah but it's a good argument for how dangerous complacency is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like when Margot and the wife finally kind of have that moment of, I don't want to say confrontation cause it wasn't really what we think. No, like cause she's too meager to, to have a confrontation. But she, I mean, but she did, she did straight up ask Margot, like, so, you know, my husband and I love Margot's reaction of just kind of like, well, fuck it. Yes. Yes. Like, done not even going to try and be delicate or sugarcoat but just out with the the honesty and the way the wife reacted it's like she knew and here's her suspicions sitting right across from her she didn't see some seem surprised no again that was that sense of resignation yeah and it's like oh it's like but she gave her blessing to margo at the very end there when Margot has that moment of pause and looks around the room. That was an interesting moment, wasn't it? It was. And I really kind of liked it because I felt like the wife was saying like, it's okay, not just in this specific moment, but like kind of everything, at least maybe between them, you know, that unspoken now spoken tension, not so much tension, but you know, just that shit between them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this isn't your fault. Yeah. Like, like, like this isn't your fault. I'm not going to be mad at you to the point where I am just going to not support you in surviving. Yeah. And while that in no way makes up for the things that she possibly condoned or enabled or turned a blind eye to, Mm -hmm. 
for whatever reason. Uh, you know, it it was it was a small redemption moment for her character, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, the husband, no, just yeah, that 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 man deserved everything that happened to him. Yes, I agree. I think he got away too easily. I know. Like I said, I wanted them to flay him. It's maybe like, that's maybe that's you know Ramsey from Game of Thrones being an influence <laughs> on me, but um, but ah, uh, it's just ugh. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, when we first meet Margot and we see that she recognizes the husband and there's that kind of weirdness, like he ends up, he makes his wife switch seats with her and he tells her that, oh, I want to look into the kitchen. And then this way you have a view looking out the the glass doors, the glass windows and everything. But it's because he doesn't want to have to look at Margot. And it's like, yeah, all right. So you figure, I just assumed, okay, they yeah she's a mistress from the office or something had a fling now it's awkward. yeah I didn't see the sex worker part until it was literally brought up and then upon rewatching, it's like there's the breadcrumb there's a breadcrumb there's and don't get me wrong these little breadcrumbs like kind of the way Tyler was talking to her like he's and like when he first snapped like physically literally snaps at her and the way he occasionally was talking down to her seems super obvious now. Also, but at the time, I was just kind of like, this is the worst first date. Because it's like, you knew they weren't in a long relationship since he had a date that ended up not being able to come. So he had to come up with a plus one. So I figured my assumption was that, yes, it takes months to get into this restaurant. He had a girlfriend at the time. They broke up. And now this is someone maybe he more just started dating. yeah and so this is his date because their conversations kind of allude to that but then when you know that she's a sex worker their conversations all of a sudden make way more sense and yeah it's still a first date gone wrong but it's, but it's it was vague enough at first to make to lead you down that path and i think from a writing perspective it did a really good job of doing that mm-hmm. because you're right there's subtle hints there's nothing overt that makes you go aha sex worker which i think is great too because i'm tired of it usually being the trope in movies where oh obvious sex worker and we even had that in white lotus that we love so much like Mm -hmm. obvious sex worker immediately right we didn't get that here and i i found that refreshing absolutely Um, but yeah let's return to tyler's table (laughs) so margo was interesting from the beginning because like she was not into this at all and I'm like why are you even here like duh, that should have been a dead giveaway why are you even here and you know but whatever um so she gets this experience hired to or not like wouldn't you be like well I gotta at least try this right she's just like no this shit's stupid (laughs) I know I love it and and Tyler is like, gimme, 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 and eating her food too. And the chef's watching and he's just not happy. Uh, which was a super fun, like nonverbal interaction between the table and the chef. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, even when she's confronted by the chef in the bathroom, before again, before we still are really sure about what's about to go down in the restaurant, this beautiful, amazing, scenic restaurant. 
mm-hmm. you know, that's a really creepy moment and a little scary, especially, you know, if you, you've ever been in one of those me too kind of narrow escapes. I was, I was legit like, oh God, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And he, he didn't really do anything. And, but, you know, she didn't back down either. Mm-hmm. She didn't once the entire movie, and we're talking about people who stay genuine to their character. She was one confronted with some very awful things from multiple perspectives and even, you know, events that preceded the restaurant. And she's just like, I am who I am, and this is how I feel, and I'm not afraid to tell you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I absolutely love that. Like, talk about a strong woman character done oh, right. yeah. And I'm not saying that she's a saint or a hero right? or or even a damsel in distress. She's none of those things. She's about as genuinely human as someone can get and still display strength. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to, that aligns more with her character, like the, the class of her character compared to the class of the other characters. Yeah, she's right? used to going through some shit, right? Yeah. And it's like, you know, the whole thing about her being a sex worker and I, okay. So we love that she was a sex worker. We love that it Mm -hmm. wasn't overtly obvious that that's what she was. And then when confronted again, poor choice of words, but when she's having that conversation with chef and he's like, you don't think I wouldn't have recognized one of, one of my own, one of our own the shit kickers, the shit kickers, the shit shovelers, shit shovelers, the, yeah, the givers versus the takers, and how he he knew right away, you know, because he's picked up on the on the little clues too, the tension between Margot and the regular husband, and the fact that he just sees it as what it is, service work, yeah, and that it's just another form of customer service of service refreshing, work. and how he's like when she tells him about the weird creepy thing the yeah i did and he's like first of all he says oh so he's a romantic and she makes a face and he's like i don't need the details <laughs> and then but then he's like i know a bad customer when i see one and they have that brief moment of like an exchange of like understanding come maybe a little compassion, compassion. Yeah. And I and, and it, respect. And respect was, it was yeah. I loved it and it was so weird to have like kind of in the middle of this, but that's the whole theme of the dinner. It's what the movie is. It's a commentary, right, on the classes and kind of the the haves and the haves nots, the givers, the takers kind of thing and it just I thought it was very well done. It was perfectly done, very subtle and and even for that kind of brief moment, it's yeah, almost like and, Margot got it too. And that's two things now that I've seen Anna Taylor Joy, is it? Mm-hmm. And where I've I've loved her character and the the um, acting that went into it. Like she's fantastic, you know, like fantastically cast, fantastic delivery. The writing in this is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love it. So, you know, kudos to her. I guess I'll have to watch more of her stuff. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're only touching on the the takers, the guests, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we well, still- well, real quick with Margot, I also want to point out too that, and I didn't notice it on my first time watching it, but 
the second time I watched it, when they're getting off the boat, she thanks the boat people, the boat workers. Yeah, you're nobody, right. She does. Nobody else thanks them. And then when they get to the restaurant and the diners are invited to go up and watch the open kitchen, watch the sous chefs start plating and everything. And, and Tyler's being all obnoxious about it. And yeah. the sous chef's like, I know who you are. We like to know who our guests are. And then whatever guests go back to their table. Uh, Margot says like, cause Tyler's like, how does he know my name? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, you didn't ask for his, like, she makes a point to be like, you didn't ask the server, the worker, his name. So again, it's showing that kind of class divide. And I think at one point, maybe it's the same scene too. And Tyler's like, well, what difference does it make? Who cares? Yeah, I know. And that's where you're like, whoa, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you're a rich entitled person. Got it. Yep. <laughs> Which only puts you like in the same level as all the other guests here. So, so you know, right. Um, <laughs> but you know, on the subject of the, the kitchen staff, I mean, there were some interesting people in there too. Yes. Like we've already touched on one. God, I still love her character. Like I would rewatch it just for her interactions with the Elsa. guests. Elsa, yeah. Like when she whispers into Tech Bro's ear, you will you oh what god, I wish you I... will eat less than you desire, but more than you deserve. Yeah. Yep. I was then, like, dang, she hates you. Wow. And then when they're trying to like ask her about like what's on their tortillas and the way she's just those are tortillas. Those what are, are these? Tortillas. tortillas. Those are tortillas with the invoices of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. She's just trolling them nonstop. And I loved it. And um, she would randomly fix one of the tech bros napkins in his lap. Like she didn't do that to anyone else. So you knew it was whatever mind game she's playing with them at that point. But it was like, the way she just singled out the one and just kind of kept coming at him so subtly yeah. and creepily was Mwah, chef's kiss. Yeah. And she really was like fixated on that table in particular. Well, they were the most obnoxious. For sure. And they, one of them was also cheating on their wives. So, you know, that's oh, a common yeah. thread. Yep. Uh, I don't know. And she seemed, those were the two tables that she interacted with the most hmm so maybe she took that personally not sure they never really said uh, but then you know the all the staff are like devoted like yes chef no chef you know all mm-hmm. that stuff in unison um and they obviously really care about everything they're cooking which is great uh from a foodie perspective but wow, I didn't expect this level of devotion, did you? No, not at all. And it should have been their their sleeping quarters should have been the huge tip off, right? Like, yeah. like two open toilets and like two prison, like open style, prison style shower stalls, a row of beds, two rows of beds. That looked like they came off of Amazon. Yeah. And it's like, she's explaining why they just live there. And you're kind of like, okay, that makes sense. That's a lot of work, but yeah, you guys seem dedicated. This is very prestigious career move. Oh, okay. I guess some sacrifices need to be made. I know. Isn't it great how we just kept (laughs) rationalizing this? Um, But like, I was, you know, looking for tropes. So 
when things started really going down, I was like, okay, which one of them is not as devoted as the others? Which one is going to like try and help someone escape? You know, mm-hmm. all that kind of and it never happened. And I was like, huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they were interesting too. Because I mean, every single one of them was so devoted to the cause and to the chef that they were willing to die for it. It was perfectly acceptable to them. And one of them actually came up with the idea. So, woo-hoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, what about chef though? Like, how does he? How do you think he inspires like all of that loyalty to the very end? I think it's just the status that he had. You think He's- so? I think so. It's he's got such the status. He's so known for Hawthorne and he's worked to reach that level of prestige and fame where these sous chefs and, and everything that, that that's their dream. His first sous chef, Jeremy, like that's all he ever wanted. And then he got there and then it's like, you kind of get the sense that like, yeah, things aren't that great. He's not happy. He's not happy with his life. He doesn't want chef's life now that he knows what all kind of goes on there. Yeah. So yeah, I found the staff to be kind of very interesting in that sense. Like we don't get much, but you get, I don't know. I I feel like there's, there's a level of fear within staff. But then, yeah, we meet the one chef that the Felicity, I think, I don't know, that's a name on IMDb, uh, that the one that came up with the idea of how to end the dinner. And she tells Lillian at one point, you know, because they're eating the dish that she created and Lillian's like, oh, this is delicious. And she's like, at one point that would have meant something to me. But then she seems so proud of herself for having come up with the finale. Yeah, the that meal. was... What did I, you- I I understood that the chef was like, you know, he'd lost his passion for this and people have taken the joy out of it from him, the takers and all that. I didn't realize that that translated as deeply with his staff, maybe Felicity in particular, but like, you know, I've, I've read some stories recently of like the practices at restaurants like Noma and how they treat their staff as their brought on and and coming up the ranks and everything and it's like full-on psychological verbal and even sometimes physical abuse Mm -hmm. like did they all go through this to get conditioned to this point did he do this to them like or or do they really just care about him all that much or is it is it both of those things i i I was just well and like then there's like the backstory between chef and felicity and the inspiration the little bit that they do before man's folly and they send the men folk running out into the woods that was funny that was funny the sending them out yeah and and the fact that tyler wasn't gonna go at first and he was like no you too and he's like okay oh and then the fact that the uh the The restaurant the magazine guy was hiding (laughs) and he was the last one so he got a little like egg and he was in the chicken coop And I was like, that's the perfect place for your (laughs) wussy ass. Right? But, okay, but so back to, like, Felicity and Chef and everything, she tells that story about how he made advances towards her, and she turned him down, and he kept trying, she kept turning him down, and then he, he didn't fire her, 
but he made it, you know, he didn't speak to her, didn't look at her, made it awkward. Yeah. And it's like, was that, I couldn't, I, I'm going to be honest. I could not tell if that was something that the chef had thought about as part of like, in trying to inspire his, his kitchen staff. Like it was all intentional in trying to fuck with her. Like you said, like a psychological maybe um or if it really was just him being a dude egotistical (laughs) and and yeah like i'm sure he was at one point in his career and this kind of activity in the kitchen is pretty commonplace from what i understand like all of it so i just you know knowing that i just kind of accepted it for what it is like oh he's just he's just like every other asshole chef that you know gets big enough and i'm but then but then i'm like but wait wait he's not hiding this he apologized and he allowed her to take personal retribution and honestly with the camera angle at that point i thought she stabbed him in the dick me too um so when it was panned back a bit and it was actually in his thigh i'm like okay but that's still gonna like bleed all night but yeah so he is he gonna make it to the end of his menu <laughs> uh she must have missed the artery but you know yeah i i almost despite everything that we know is happening at this point i felt disappointed in the chef especially in the context of the sex worker conversation mm-hmm. like how can he be so progressive and understanding and compassionate and even respectful on that token and still do this? And then I'm like, no, actually, people are contradictory like that. But still, I'm disappointed. <laughs> and especially since he started out his menu with the whole historical education, but lecture on what's more important, us or the world we're in and stuff like that. And I'm like, Ooh, he is on his high horse tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, I think he actually meant those things. Yeah. I think he was trying to educate people even in their last moments or whatever. Absolutely. And maybe, maybe that's still self-fulfilling, but whatever, it's his menu. Yeah. I think he still was staying true to who he had, had become known for. His storytelling with his meals, you know, like this is, this is not a new thing that he's doing multiple courses with an overall theme and you don't know what it is until the end of it. So it was interesting that he's, I, I, in thinking about it now, just now it's like, I like that he started off with very just simple, basic back to nature, feeding off, eating off the land, everything, you know, self, self-sustaining this and that. And it shows kind of that progression almost of food culture in a, in of itself. We start off as yeah. what we have to, to survive. And from there we find nutrients and from there, um, you know, like maybe with the bread plate, you know, especially for this group, they're too elite for bread. So again, that jump from very basic <laughs> leaves and rocks, <laughs> broken emulsions to oh. these, to, to Jeremy's mess and Tyler's shit dinner and <laughs> That lamb looked awful. Okay, so okay, you're right. Real quick, real quick. With Tyler in that moment, were you rooting for him to win or fail? I mean, I knew he was going to fail because 
the guy was just a bunch of hot air. Like, I know this, I have this, but Mm -hmm. he hasn't done anything. Mm -hmm. He just eats. So, like, I didn't really expect him to make anything worthwhile. And so I was like, I guess you could put me in the rooting room to fail, but as a foregone conclusion, (laughs) more like, oh boy, how's the chef going to react to this? This is going to be great. (laughs) And Nicholas Holt's face in that moment of almost being elated to just destroyed was was excellent that that yeah he got a little come up in there but then i'd love to know what chef whispered in his ear right before he hung himself do you think it was literally go hang yourself or do you think it was he tore him down so bad that that's all tyler could but he had like immediately he walked takes the chef's coat off and starts taking his tie off so that almost sounds like it was a suggestion from the chef versus like oh this was so such bad i immediately am going to do this i don't know either way i'm cool with it i <laughs> what i actually enjoyed was was the symbolism of the removal of the chef's jacket i don't know if you've watched like you know kitchen show like cooking competitions oh, and yeah, that. yeah yeah that, that, yeah like the way that they shot that felt exactly <laughs> like those moments and i'm just like Oh, I love this. I love this moment right here. And then when he started taking his tie off, I'm like, oh yeah, he's going to die. He's going to, he's going to hang himself now, but where, and how is it going to come out later? (laughs) I was literally like, I wonder where he's going to (laughs) go. Do we get to see the walk-in cooler now? (laughs) Was he going to go to the smokehouse and do it? And then like, I, yeah, and that like that's how quickly I adjusted to. Oh, this is a horror movie after the Jeremy, <laughs> after Jeremy's mess. But yeah, the first course was you know that dainty kind of. There's not that much food on the plate, but it's all really good food, and it came from sustainable sources. Yada yada yada. Paints picture. Just like yeah, okay. And then the next course being the bread, but no bread, just the condiments that would be on the bread with a little card, the bread that you would have had tonight. <laughs> oh, I die! I die laughing at that. <laughs> And then, yeah, the food critic makes that broken emulsion comment, and then they just keep giving her giant soup bowls full of it, and they keep calling it broken emulsion. I'm just like, I love this. And then, (laughs) yeah, then we get to Jeremy's The Mess, and they lay out the tarp. I still don't get it. There's plastic sheeting hanging out. I still don't get it. They put funeral herbs down. I still don't get it. Oh, Laura. (laughs) Like, Chefs there doing exactly what, you know, they say chefs do to their sous chefs in the kitchen. And he's like, Jeremy's crying. And he's like, obviously at his breaking point. I still, I still don't get it. And then he pulls out that gun and bam. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> See, as soon as they brought the tarp out and they were laying the herbs on there, I was like, oh. <gasps> I got all excited. Like my mouth started watering. (laughs) (laughs) What did that say about you? I was like, yes, murder. (laughs) Yes. And going, not knowing anything about this movie and going into it, you know, you hear the, oh, you're going to want a burger afterwards. And I'm like, I always want a burger. Um, But I'm like, this isn't going to be like a Soylent Green kind of thing, is it? And I'm, I'm like, glad well, it no. wasn't because for a moment I thought so. Well, and it's like, well, Fresh came out not that long ago. And even though I still haven't seen it, isn't that kind of a cannibalistic-y thing? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm so, going gonna, gonna to watch it. I'm well, going to do it. Well, and so I was like, well, they can't do another cannibal 
you know, <laughs> the burger are people kind of thing. So I was like, well, right, it, it can't be people. So then what is it? What is going on here? And then when they brought Jeremy out, I was like, is it really going to be people? <laughs> that's like, or maybe this next dish. I don't know. So it wasn't, yeah. and that's fine. No, I'm glad there. Like I have expected them after he shot himself to like mm-hmm. start butchering him and cooking him yeah. up in the open kitchen. That would have been like totally plausible, but no, please don't. And then they didn't. And I was like, Oh, Oh, it's not that kind of horror. It's right. This kind of horror. I like this kind of horror. <laughs> See, and I like, you know, and I would have been fine with just <laughs> hacking them up on the floor there too. <laughs> and that's where you and I differ in our exactly. taste of horror movie. So I'm going to have a but much harder this, time watching Fresh than you are. But this was great as well. This movie was fucking brilliant. What it was saying about food, food culture, especially like Tyler and the way that they just take it apart. And the chef makes a point to say like about the bergamot. He's like, yeah, but you identified it. You know, Tyler's like, yeah, I could taste it. And chef's like, yeah, but you identified it. Like you couldn't fucking help yourself. You had to open your goddamn mouth instead of just shutting up and enjoying what's in front of you. You had to be that prick. Yeah. You took the wonder, the mystery, the magic yeah. out of it. It's like, come on, man, stop yeah. it. But like, yeah. And then we, we go into men's folly and the men are all running away and the women have a moment of real talk and, you know, a decent course of food by the looks of it i love the emoji theme that's really funny (laughs) Um, and they all got to get a little bit drunk which probably made the rest of the evening better Mm -hmm. but like how do you continue eating at that point it's just unless you're tyler i'm just like how how do you do that and at first they don't believe that the sous chef killed himself and they think it's just acting okay okay i buy that but then when they cut off dude's finger that's Mm got to hammer at home then no 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 this this isn't this isn't theater this is well it is theater but it's real like you know how do you keep eating after that how how do you keep eating while you're being hunted if you're the guys except tyler because tyler's tyler like i don't know if i'd be able to do it but then they come back from man's folly and we finally like get to you know uh margo gets her chance to learn more about chef and she has her confrontation with elsa Mm -hmm. and that's really rough and everything but then we find out then we find out how shitty Tyler really is. Mm-hmm. Why he is asshole number one. He knew everything about what was going to happen here. Maybe not in detail, but at high enough level to know that everyone there was going to die that night. Mm-hmm. Everyone. And he hired Margot to come anyway. Didn't tell her. I was just like, oh, piece of shit like all the other stuff you were doing was pretty asshole douchey whatever but this this makes you the worst and i am so glad he got put through that embarrassment yeah and you know got taken down to his lowest low before he died Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah i it was like I said, Nicholas Holt's a cutie. I adore him. I enjoy, I typically enjoy him when I, when he pops up on screen and things, but this one, I was like, oh my God, as soon as that was revealed, I was like, he can't die fast enough at this point, but right? the, the torture and the humiliation, the making him sweat it out. And then 
letting him think for that brief moment he has in a good way wowed the chef and didn't super basic so good so good so fucking good and again his the face acting just that that glee of anticipation and then just getting crushed like it just all sank and it was all right there in nicholas's lovely face and it made me laugh (laughs) me me too i was like good good you asshole yeah oh i but i appreciate him more as an actor now because i finally seen him play an asshole and he pulled it off yeah okay so let's talk about the showdown between margo and elsa real quick and how that all kind of transpired and everything and the things that elsa had said so it starts because chef is very much thinking that margo is a giver and so he's like she has joined our ranks so i'm gonna send her out to the smokehouse to get this barrel because my absent-minded colleague elsa who's standing right fucking there he's like Mm -hmm. failed to get it and so sends margo on this wild goose chase essentially right Okay, so I truly think that Chef sent Margot out alone like that to test her to see if she was going to find the radio and then call for the the fake Coast Guard. And yeah, which which is fine. But did he account for Elsa showing up and then possibly being murdered? Because so Elsa follows her out there and she tells Elsa tells Margot that one of the lines was, you're not going to replace me. And I was like, yeah. why, why did, would she think that Margot's there to replace Elsa? And then it isn't until right after Margot kind of accidentally, you know, self-defense kills Elsa, that Elsa says, I didn't, he never told me about the barrel. I didn't forget. Yeah. That just goes to show you, you know, what I was saying earlier, like chefs messing with their staff and everything as part of conditioning them and them paying their dues and all of that. Like he was still doing that, even when he was tired of of being what he was and doing what he does. He's still doing it. It's like he couldn't stop himself. But do you think he and he had anticipated or calculated that Elsa would be following Margot because he makes he pro- no mention hmm. of how Margot looks coming back. She's clearly been in a fight. She's got blood splattered across her. Also, shout out to the nightgown look with the combat boots. Call yeah. it the 90s. I loved it. Margot looked great. I was like, yes, let's bring that look back, please. <laughs> I think he did. I think, you he- think that was kind of he knew that Elsa was going to do that. And therefore that was his way of getting rid of Elsa before the grand either, finale. Either getting rid of Elsa or getting rid of Margot. At this point, I don't think he had any intentions of letting Margot go. No, no. And this would have been like, if, if she joined the ranks and was part of the crew, this would have been just some, some in-house kitchen crew fighting, pecking order, establishing, whatever. Um, I think. I think he might have actually like maybe anticipated Margot getting to the radio and all that. Right. But I think he might have been more banking on whether or not that happened. Elsa was going to take care of Margot. Yeah. Okay. And it didn't work out that way. 
but it didn't really matter to him in the end because they were all going to die anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was really just a matter of which side of the coin Margot wanted to die on. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I could totally I, see it being a test to Margot with the radio and everything and the snoop having an opportunity to kind of snoop around and, and get to that point. But it was the Elsa showing up in the, in the fight there. So I was like, at first I was like, is this just in because we need a fight? We need a physical altercation between two characters or was there some, you know, I, I wasn't really quite sure what the point of that all was, but you bring up some good points. I like them. We'll go with that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Let's see. What else have we got? Um, I think the, the biggest the biggest thing we have yet to touch on is the burger. The, the, the reason burger. you want a burger. Oh my God. Let me tell you, that burger has come up in conversations between Timmy and I at least three, twice, twice since we've seen the movie. And we Did watched you it see on the way he sliced the onions and then like put them on the bottom of the patty when uh-huh. he grilled it. Like, like that's genius. <laughs> it won't fall off anymore. Why have I never thought of that? Oh my God. So in a moment of brilliance on Margot's part, when she is uh, off to get the barrel and she finds the radio and everything, she's in chef's bedroom, very bare, nothing going on, but she's looking at all these different photos, awards, plaques, whatever, really old picture from when the chef was young, probably first starting out. I couldn't quite, I didn't catch what the plaque had said. But he's standing over a grill with a burger patty on a spatula. And he's smiling and he's happy. He's super happy. He's super happy. So in a moment of genius on Margot's part, she she does the loud clap thing to get the chef's attention. And then the dialogue between her and the chef and that it's restaurant kitchen talk and how she kind of gets through to him that way and is able to almost like trick him into letting her go and and kind of go in this route because she's she questions his ability and she tells him she's still hungry she's sending the food back it's not great he doesn't cook with love he He doesn't with obsession yes and the moment she said that and the look on his face fucking amazing acting loved it and then that he starts taking all that shit personally and so she says that she wants a cheeseburger just a plain a real cheeseburger real not Not a deconstructed yeah shit yeah and it was and i will tell you i really did want a cheeseburger i wanted that cheeseburger and that's when we see the chef smile he cracks a few smiles while he's grilling up a burger yeah and it's like the most beautiful serene greasy juicy moment and my favorite is when he goes, he's assembling that burger. He puts that bun on there and he gives it that little squish. And oh my God, those juices. And yeah. And the fries, the, those fries were oh perfect. I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm just like, drooling I, right now. I want that burger. <laughs> and he's like $9.95. I'm like, oh, that's kind of steep. But that then he, later, later when he has everyone else pay for their meals, which I think is hilarious that, that so he makes funny. them pay. He's like, it already includes the gratuity and everything. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, that explains the burger price. 
but oh man when she bit into that burger and like her expression of enjoying it was genuine I was like oh man I bet that's amazing mm-hmm. and then in oh, the brilliance of asking for a to-go box because her eyes were bigger than her stomach and the way she was just so fucking cool about the whole thing and she's like oh that is a that is a tasty burger. No, she can't say that. Singing of Pulp Fiction. Um, she's like, she's, oh, now that's a burger. Now that's a burger. But yeah, just the way that she was able to get out of that situation perfectly. And I think, I think had she not been a service worker herself, I don't know. Even if it had played out all that way, I don't know if Chef still would have let her go. It never would have played out that way if she wasn't because fair enough. What unless you have some sort of like quirky character, what rich entitled asshole is gonna be like, I want a burger instead of I want this fancy seven course meal. Mm-hmm. Like seriously. You know, and I think what also gave credence to the genuineness of her request for this is the fact she barely touched any of the food. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't eat it. And you know, as we already know, Tyler was too happy to oblige. But, you know, I, I think if things hadn't played out with that as well, like that part of it, she wouldn't have gotten away with it either. Yeah. But she was genuinely herself the entire time. And when she was asked why she wasn't eating, she was honest. Mm-hmm. And no one, that's the other thing. Nobody else would stand up to the chef. Right. And he even called them out for it. Exactly. And then for dessert, they're all just sitting there being turned into s'mores anyway. And I'm like. And some of them even thank him. And it's like, okay. I'm like, did they just go through the kitchen conditioning? Are they now devoted to chef? When did this happen? But it cuts away to Margot on the boat trying to make her way back, which is, you know, just admirable. But she's got her little to-go to- box and she starts munching on the burger and fries. And I'm just like, yeah, I'd still eat it too. Oh, hell yeah. Because it's still going to be warm. I mean, think how hot that burger was when she actually hot and fresh, fresh off the grill. It's going to oh. burn your mouth. The juices are going to like drip down your chin. It's going to hurt. So it needs a minute in the air on, <laughs> on a body of water. And I love that she used the menu from the pretentious goodie bag as the napkin. Like if yeah. she, <laughs> how many more times she's going to spit in that dude's face? I don't know, but I loved it. I did too. And I really want that burger. Oh my God. It's just a plain ass burger. No lettuce. No, I had onions, but yeah, onions and cheese. Yeah. And just, you're probably like basic seasoning. And it's funny too, because when he starts, when when he starts making the burger, Tim's like, oh, it's a double patty. (laughs) (laughs) We got very excited. (laughs) I was like, but that's not a cheeseburger. That's a double cheeseburger. That's not the same proportionally. That's wrong. And then I'm well, like, oh, screw it. It looks so good. Well, to be fair, they the patties looked a little on the smaller side. So to stack them would. Yeah, he did smash them. He made a smash burger, which yeah. I am, I, I am, you know, conflicted about. But because <laughs> smash burgers get so dry. But that was such a juicy burger. I'm like, nah, maybe it isn't quite a smash burger. Nah, so. it wasn't smashed enough. But yeah. And so the grand finale. Okay. what Timmy was super offended about what Chef had to say about s'mores. And considering you and Eric and I went off about s'mores 
during one of our recordings. It ended up in the blooper bubble. So it was like the snack drawer. He's showing off, Eric was showing off Anastasia's snack drawer. We then went off on a tangent about s'mores. So as you do, as you do. So when chef called it an abomination, it was like, whoa, whoa. I was like, whoa. (laughs) But he had good points. I love marshmallows. I buy bags of marshmallows just so I can eat them whenever I have a random craving for marshmallows. Well, I think it was more about the individual ingredients, you know, the unethically sourced chocolate and and all of that. But then the way that it comes, but the way that it all comes together, he says, through the transformation of fire. And I was like, okay, so individually you have trash ingredients but you bring them together and you have ooey gooey deliciousness is what he's so saying. he made all the trash in that restaurant into something awesomely good by yes. setting it all on fire exactly okay. by reducing he, he it made to ash he made shit into s'mores <laughs> <laughs> okay i can agree with you know if the ingredients were produced better in terms of ethics and in terms of quality i'm sure the s'more would be even better but as a dessert goes or snack or whatever. I love that. They're like comfort food. You get to set something on fire, which apparently the chef and I can agree on as being a good thing. (laughs) And if you've ever put a marshmallow in the microwave, oh man, is that fun for science, okay? It, It expands like the marshmallow man in Ghostbusters. It's just huge and I love it. Like, All right, kids, I go try this at home. <laughs> yes, put a paper plate down. Don't put it on the glass. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but seriously, about 15 seconds in the microwave is perfect for a marshmallow and a s'more. It expands Ooh. just enough to envelop the chocolate, and then when you open the door, it goes and it like vacuum seals it. It's awesome. Oh my god, God, you yeah. really do have it down to a science. I love it. So yeah, I love s'mores. <laughs> so what did you think of then their dessert and for i i loved the aerial shot of how everything was looking after they put the graham cracker and yes it was very pretty it was super pretty it was so pretty they looked delicious i think my favorite part was when the assistant reached up and like Mm -hmm. licked the chocolate it's like yep yep i I would probably do that too or he's just starting nibbling on the marshmallow shawl, just like <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Ooh, marshmallow. <laughs> the way that the guests thanked Chef as they're being set on fire and everything. Yeah. What did you think of that? They were mm-hmm. utterly broken people. And what well, what do you think that has to say with the overall theme and, and commentary of this movie? Now we've seen a chef completely shit. And like you said, that kind of kitchen hazing kind of culture or whatever. And we see a chef, I mean, literally tell his guests he's going to fucking kill them, puts them through the ringer, through all this shit, and they thank him for it. Yeah. Um, like, uh, he systematically broke them down. And I think that was the theme of the menu was, see, was right. to break was to break all of their conventions, their notions, whatever spirit they might have. And they're not used to standing up for themselves. They're used to their money doing that for them. 
Well, and so, I just and I and I see what you're saying. I just mean like, okay, so you have like your Gordon Ramsays, right? That yeah, are yeah. loud, mean, and, and abusive, and we love it. We eat that shit up, right? He, yells, yeah, we love the memes. He yells at, but he's so nice stuff. to the kids. Anyway, he's so nice to the kids, but we keep coming back for more. We're hungry for more of this abusive relationship, in a way, with the people Maybe that they were prepare so our food, and so. Here we have Chef Slowick just, yeah, like I said, putting his guests through the winger to the point where they're broken. But what do you think that says about more about like a comment on like society and where we are with like perhaps food culture and everything where no matter how shitty of an experience we might have, we're still going to go back. Uh, No matter how much Gordon Ramsay yells at us, we're still going to strive to be what he wants us to be. Kind of so I think, well, I think it's kind of a commentary on, on like where we are in general, like we are hooked on misery. So yeah, we, we gravitate towards that. Um, but then we're hooked on, we're hooked on the appearances, you know, like the way people portray things on social media to be to like your life looks amazing and everything like that. You're an influencer, right? So it means more to this particular type of people that they have that they were here at this place with this chef, you know, having this experience that nobody else gets to have than actually getting anything of value out of the experience Mm -hmm. and you know our society cares more about that too like when's the last thing you see someone go somewhere they haven't been before and like genuinely just take it in or are they too busy instagramming the damn thing on their phone like you know it's the same kind of principle there but then there's the whole i don't know Maybe maybe these people were so broken that they saw themselves clearly for the first time. And maybe. yeah, we are assholes. We do deserve this. The chef was right to show us this. And Thank you, being, chef. And now they're being cleansed. And yeah. it's going to be something better? Messy, yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They're contributing to the destruction of the thing that they created. The yeah. awfulness that they created. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Oh, this movie. Oh, that's so I love it. Good. I, I can still so go good. and watch it again. No shit. Oh, but yeah, this was this was a great watch. I'm glad that I watched it and I went into it not knowing a lot. I had a great time with the writing, the acting, the satire, the dark comedy. And for me, just it was just a dash of horror. <laughs> Yeah, the and it's the kind that I really like. Yeah, like I don't even know how to describe it. You know, like it's plausible first of all, but it's also justifiable, and I think those are the things for me that make horror watchable. See, and I don't know that I would classify this as horror. If I did, it would definitely be like one of the lower listed genres. You know that I oh, would for sure. associate with it, but it's like. I don't, you know, when you think of horror, typically, what do you think about, you know, your, your gore, your slashers, you know, paranormals, everything. So you could argue gore was there. It was, but at the same time, like, 
it need for me anyways, it needs to be a lot. <laughs> I didn't okay. Feel like that was enough. <laughs> but I, I also think it's a psychological horror too. It's, absolutely. You know, absolutely. This movie progressively steeped in fear. And I think if you weren't feeling that vicariously, mm-hmm. I'd be surprised. So yeah. and, I and think that's, that's where the horror comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, and that's the thing too, genre, the horror genres got so many subgenres and, and subcategories and all of that, that it absolutely is more of like a psychological horror than what I typically associate horror with. And that is more of your kind of blood and guts mm-hmm. type stuff. So I like the stuff that messes with your head. I like the stuff that messes with your head, but I like the bloody stuff more because the stuff that messes with my head really messes with my head for a while. And it's, <laughs> that's fair. It's that's fair. So, but all right. Well, anything else we have left on this movie, any leftovers that we need to finish up or I well, think- what did you, what did you think about him, including his mother in this whole thing? Was that like, I can't take care of you anymore because we're all going to die, so you might as well die with me? Or like, you're killing yourself with alcohol anyway, I might as well speed that up for you? Not sure, but you know. I think it was, I think it was a little bit, I think it was more of your first point and then a little bit of your latter. Uh, okay. More of like, yeah, just we're ending it all. It <laughs> all definitely added a personal touch to the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was funny because Tim was like, at first he's like, who the you know, he sees the old lady in the corner. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, the, who the fuck is that? Because he put his forehead there? to her, yes. her forehead. And he's like, Timmy's like, that's fucking weird. And then he's like, is that is that supposed to be like his mom or something? And I try not to give anything away when I've already watched something before my husband. And I was like, well, what classy restaurant isn't complete without some crazy old lady in the corner? He's like, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> awesome that's that's great yeah yeah that was in at first you know you kind of think once you realize that it's his mom and he tells the story about uh the the next dish then then i just thought that he's using her as a prop like she yes has clearly has a drinking problem and he's going to take advantage of her not knowing where she's at or whatever not caring yeah as a prop but it's a subtle reminder that he is not a good person. Yeah. So, but God, that story, when he dropped that story, that's also when that was like the subtle turn. That was like the slight veer off into the Yeah, when, uh, when all the kitchen staff stabbed those little shears into the chicken before they took uh, it, I was like, <laughs> did you stop and think like, where did they get all those tiny scissors? Those are so cute. And also what would you use all those tiny, like, what's the need for tiny scissors? I suppose if you have tiny hands. I wanted a pair. I did too. <laughs> I was like, that's so cute. It's a cleverly. Like, I wonder if you can dish. get those in the kitchen, like the chopped meat or something. It's kind of cool. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was quite the fucking story. And then when he's like, I probably should have slit his throat, but ah, the the innocence of youth or the naivety of youth. <laughs> yeah, like I definitely would now. <laughs> oh this man, yeah. Great. Like there's reasons for him becoming the person he is and it's not a good person. And I think, you know, they keep reminding you of that. 
but then there's complexity to it, just like there's complexity to everything else. And God, they layered everything so well. I just really loved it. Oh, like us. Perfect summer seven layered salad. I think you. Yeah. Parfait. I'm oh, parfait. parfait. Oh, yeah. Like that sounds good. Anyways, yep. well, I I think we've gotten our full our full of the movie and discussing it. We are a bit over our allotted time. Laura. Shocker. <laughs> Well, Laura, I just want to thank you for joining me in this not-so-mini bubble. <laughs> thank you, Bubblies, for listening tonight, and keep streaming. Bye! Bye! Tortillas! Tortillas.